Well, what a week. What a week. You don't know what's going to happen until you get here. And just stop after everything the Lord has has allowed to happen in the last 10 or so days and stop and remember that God is good. You guys know that I'm not a very emotional person, and so I apologize. I, I, said, I didn't know where this would go. But life happens. The Lord is sovereign. He is God over all. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. You step out these doors and you see the wonder of God's creation. The clouds, the sun, the moon, the stars, the tree, the grass. You look around, you see those who are created in God's very image. And how can you but stop to praise God for his wonderful work? For his good creation. He created all things and he said it was good. It is good. Because God is good. In this good and beautiful creation, we do stop and we do understand that bad things happen. And those bad things are because of sin. God created a world in holiness and perfection, and yet man transgressed God's holiness. It's because of that sin that we deal with hard, difficult things. It's not because God is not good. It's not because God does not love his people. It's not because God wants us to struggle. He doesn't want us to be miserable. He doesn't want us to wonder how there will be joy again. But because of sin, God cursed this world. And in God's curse of this world, we deal with things like sickness and death. And as God's people, there's but one way to deal with those things, and it is to confront them head on. We do not lose heart. We do not fall apart into a million pieces, though that is certainly how we feel. We do not give way to the hard and difficult emotions, though they are all there. And they are all real. And they will go with us until that glorious day. There will be dangers and trials and toils and snares. But it's only by God's grace that we remain. 
It's only in the strength that God supplies that we have but any hope to get from sunup to sundown on any given day. You walk through trials, you get, you have these days where you get news that you would never want to hear, and you wonder, how is God good in this? How is God good in something that seems so terrible? Reminded of the book of Job. You know all that happened with Job, the loss of family and monetary blessing and land and all of his earthly possessions. Job tears his clothes. He falls to the ground and he worships. He worships. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked shall I return to the earth. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Can we say that today? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes, friends, we can because God is good. The Lord does give and the Lord does take away but it's because God is sovereign. He is supreme. He reigns over all, and he knows all. The Lord ordains all things. He works all things together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. That is the God that we serve. I had every intention to not do this today. I would studied to preach to you 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. But I think we're not going to do that. I just want to... Uh, uh, it's just been a lot. And so I want to, as, as one of your pastors, as one of your shepherds, I want to walk through how do we respond as God's people to trial. How how do we respond when you get this news that would just crush your heart? And obviously there's many scriptures we can go through, many that we can consider. One such that we have held dearly to is kind of quoted a moment ago, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 4 verses 16 through 18. The Apostle Paul there, he writes, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are not seen, or the things which are seen, are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 
Let's just think about that, friends. Therefore, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. The world around us can crumble. It can fall. It can all be burned up, and it will all be burned up one day. But the heart of the saint of Christ is that of the Apostle Paul. We do not lose heart. Take heart, dear saint, because your eternal security will never be taken. Your hope is built on nothing but the blood and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That is why we hope. That is why we do not lose heart. Because our anchor is secure. We have that anchor that enters into the veil. The one who went into the Holy of Holies on our behalf, who proclaims his own perfect righteousness for us forever and ever. We do not lose heart because we have Christ. Paul continues, our outer man is decaying. Friends, is that ever more real to us than it is right now? The outer man is decaying. These bodies are not meant to last for eternity. Yes, we will have bodies in eternity. The Lord will glorify these bodies, but our bodies in this form are not meant to be eternal. They decay. They waste away. We will all one day breathe our last because these bodies decay. Difficult as that may be, as many sorrows as that may bring, it is God's truth. It is God's will. It is God's way. These outer man, these, the outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. How do we renew the inner man? The inner man is renewed by feasting upon the word and the truth of God. Dear friend, if, if you are thrown into the storms of trial and you seek to renew yourself any way but by coming to the Lord for His grace, moment by moment, day by day, let me tell you, you will never make it. The inner man is renewed day by day by spiritually feasting on God's Word and His promises. God's Word and His promises. Remember that God is good, God is faithful, and He reveals that goodness and he reveals that faithfulness in the pages of Scripture. Nowhere else can you go to find the words of eternal life. Nowhere else can you go to find the promise that the Lord will sustain you 
and keep you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. For it's in his words that we find the promises and the hope of eternal life. We understand that in the Lord's great faithfulness, his mercies are new every morning. Never have we known that, we being a very personal we. Never have we known that more than we've known and experienced it in the last week. It's one day at a time. The Lord gives you mercy for today. He doesn't give you mercy for tomorrow until tomorrow. Talking to somebody earlier, I likened it to a bucket. It's like the Lord has a bucket of mercy, and he gives you that bucket, and that bucket of mercy is good enough for today. You get to the end of today, and you realize that that bucket is empty. Not because God is not good, not because God is not faithful, not because God will not sustain you, but because by his design, his mercies are renewed every morning. You live on God's mercy. His grace, we know, is sufficient. His grace is sufficient to build us up and to strengthen us and to carry us. If you try to walk the Christian life apart from the grace of God, you will utterly fail. It's one of the Lord's purposes in trial is to make you ever the more dependent upon his grace. We walk by his grace, in the power of the Spirit, and through that, the Lord conforms us to the image of Christ. That is what it means to live the Christian life. You walk by the Spirit so that you do not gratify the desires of the flesh. One thing as you think about trial and tribulation one thing that we should always come back to is how much we hate sin. Because if it were not for sin, trials would not happen. If it were not for the fall, tribulation would not come. Those things are a result of the fall, and they're designed by God to bring us to himself. When you walk through trial, your hatred for sin should grow infinitely. Because it's that sin that brings the necessity of that trial. Trials don't happen by accident. They're God's design to conform his people to the image of Christ. So you walk by his grace in that mercy that is new every morning with your inner man being renewed by the scripture and you press on and you kill sin. That should be a primary response of believers to trial is that you kill sin. When you think about trials, think about sin and put it to death. Paul continues, for momentary light affliction. Momentary light affliction. There's three descriptions there, right? It's momentary. It's fleeting it is passing. It feels like it lasts forever. But Scripture, truth, tells us it's momentary. 
that should give us great hope. That should, that, that's one of the Lord's mercies that are new every morning is to hear that this weight, the crushing weight of trial is but momentary in comparison to the eternal glory that is to come. But Paul also says it's light. Paul says it's light, and for the life of me, I can't understand how you would consider anything such as, as some of the depths of trials that the saints among us have walked through. I don't know how you consider that light. But the Lord says it is. The Lord says it is because nothing we go through in this life will compare to the glory that is to come. Nothing. You come up with the deepest, the darkest, the most difficult trial and tribulation that you can. God tells you that it doesn't compare to the glory that is to come. What do we think about that? We run to the Lord for salvation. When you think about that promise, you understand that that promise is only for those who are in Christ. If you are apart from Christ, you don't have that hope. You don't have that promise. So when you walk through trial, it's not momentary in light affliction. It is deep and dark affliction because this life is the best that you will have it. So when you hear these words, momentary light affliction, may that point you, may that point us to the gospel. For it's in Christ that we have hope. It's in Christ that afflictions are momentary and light. Now let's continue on. Paul says that that momentary light affliction produces, it creates, it prepares for us an eternal weight of glory. Now, I listened to recently a sermon from uh, Pastor Mike Ricardi, one of the pastors out at John MacArthur's church, and he preached this passage, and, and there's just such a contrast. You see, momentary light affliction, eternal weight of glory. Momentary, eternal, light, weight. Affliction, glory. Momentary light affliction produces an eternal weight of glory. Now, friends, if you want to have hope, and it can be hope in the darkest trial or in the, at the highest mountain peak of life, if you want hope, it's that you have an eternal weight of glory awaiting you in heaven. The glory of being in God's presence, perfected, the body of this death removed, your body glorified, you being made able to withstand the glory and the holiness of God's presence. That is what we long for. That is what we strive after. You consider anything in this life, the good or the bad, none of it compares. None of it compares to the weight of glory. So walk after Christ, because as Paul will go on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 
9 and 10, he says, Therefore we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to the Lord. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. You have this eternal weight of glory, and even if you are in Christ, you will stand before that judgment seat, and you will be repaid for what you have done. So somehow in God's wisdom and in God's plan, that eternal weight of glory gets even sweeter. It gets even more glorious when you walk with him, when you obey him. You're repaid for what you've done, whether good or bad. The good we do is somehow even more deeply repaid in eternity. Paul says that this eternal weight of glory is far beyond all comparison. It's far beyond all comparison. And he says, how do, we, how do we get to that understanding that the momentary light affliction does not compare to the eternal weight of glory which it produces? He says, we look not at the things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We look at that which is not seen. We look to eternity. We fix our eyes on the prize who is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You consider the rest of your life whether one minute, one day, or 100 years, that is what you must do. Fix your eyes upon Christ. Run your race with endurance. Do not be conformed to the lust of the flesh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the power of the Holy Spirit, and present your life, present your body as a living sacrifice to God, pure and acceptable. This is your spiritual service of worship. As John Piper so famously said, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. What is the purpose of your life? To glorify God. To glorify God. To, to put off the flesh and to put on Christ. To put away the flesh. To take in Christ. To take off the garments of sin and to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. When you're clothed in that righteousness, it does something. It changes the way that you live. You are not clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and then you go out and live like a devil. You're clothed in Christ to be conformed to Christ. So we walk through the storms. We stand through all the trials and all the difficulties, and we look, and we long for and we pursue the upward call of God in Christ Jesus.
think it was Charles Spurgeon who said that I have learned to kiss the waves that slam me up against the rock of ages. What a rock of ages it is that we have. A firm foundation, fixed and sure and unshakable and immovable. That is the God that we serve. That is the God who holds you through storms and trials. You know, we sing, I think we sang it last week, one of my favorite songs, He Will Hold Me Fast. I could never keep my hold, but He will hold me fast. We are kept because God keeps us. We are held because the Lord holds us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You're protected by the power of God for a salvation that you do not yet know in its fullness, but one day it will be revealed. Peter continued, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of of your souls. So how can anything ever be joyful as we walk through the storms of life? It's because of that salvation. Because we have been delivered. Because you have been delivered from the power and the penalty of your sin and one day you will be delivered from its very presence into the eternal, righteous, and glorious presence of the Lord. How do you keep on through trial? It's because you're marching toward heaven. That's one thing we've seen throughout Peter's epistle, is it not? That we are pilgrims. We are aliens. We are sojourners. We are on a journey this world is not our home. The tents of our bodies are not the end. All of these struggles are for a purpose. Whether trial or whether struggle with sin, the Lord has a purpose. And it's to conform you to Christ. Really, I think that's it's kind of the great summary of this, is that the Lord has a purpose in all things, 
that all things really does mean all things. God works all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. The only thing that is good for us, dear friends, the only thing that is good is to be conformed to Christ. Now, we're going to talk about finding the favor of God today. That's what the, that's the next passage in 1 Peter talks about, finding the favor of God. And one thing in that that we see and know is that God is a giver of good things. He gives good things to his children because he loves us. He is a good and a loving father. But don't ever confuse a trial as being something bad sent from God. He works all things together for your good to conform you to Christ. That is ultimately what it means to find favor with God, is to be conformed to the image of Christ. We could probably take a poll through the room. Anybody that's walked through any type of trial in life probably tell you that one of the things that they've learned is that these things that these sins that hold on to us and cling to us they become so worthless in light of the difficulties and the hardships and that eternal mindset that comes with walking through trial so kind of conclude and obviously this was not a typical exposition of scripture and I hope you will forgive me for that but to conclude as we walk through the storms of life don't waste your trials don't waste your mountain peaks either don't waste a single moment eternity hangs in the balance we can look around this room and I know for a fact that there are those and there are people in this room that do not know Christ eternity hangs in the balance don't waste a moment it's one of the one of the conversations that Casey and I had earlier this week was just, just how unimportant so many things in life become when, when you reach a point of understanding the preciousness of time. So many things are so unimportant. Spend your time wisely. Invest your time in God's people and in God's word and in communion with him. Invest your time in God's word and in prayer and communion with him and in his people. Dear church, how I've seen you do that this week, investing in his people. How we have been the recipients of the fruit of your personal investment in his word. Scripture is so encouraging. Knowing that a church family is praying is so encouraging. The endless and tireless service is so encouraging. 
Dear friends, may we press on. May we labor and endure through trials. Though the night may be dark, may the weep, though the weeping does last for a night, joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. May that be the prayer and the hope and the desire of our hearts that joy would come that the Lord would produce that joy because when we look at the circumstances, there's not a lot of joy there. But the Lord produces joy as he takes our eyes from the temporal and sets them on the eternal. So when we go from here with an eternal mindset, striving in the strength that only God supplies through his Holy Spirit, Dear friends, may we be conformed to Christ. It's one thing that we must pray through the storms of life, that we would be conformed to Christ, that we would kill sin, cut off the arm of the flesh, pursue a close walk with Christ, and he will be your anchor through the storms of life. May we do that. May we walk together. May we hold one another up. The church being the church. What a blessing of God it is to be surrounded by faithful saints. What a, what a blessing of the Lord it is to, to know that we all hold to the truth of his word. That we will be sustained by his spirit. That we will be conformed to his son. And that one day we gather around the throne, worshiping him in fullness and perfection. I'll close by reading that glorious passage of Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. Pick up in verse 6. John says, And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain, and you purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. And then I looked, and I heard a voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, and riches, and wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory, 
and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all the things in them I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Let's pray.